Good morning, and welcome to Simply Science. It's Sunday, February 18th. On today's show, a Chinese-led team achieves a milestone in reducing carbon dioxide, while scientists make progress in understanding the role of a shapeless monster in cancer. Plus, there are growing concerns about chronic wasting disease, potentially jumping from deer to humans. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Science. We start off with a significant breakthrough made by a team of researchers from China and New Zealand in the conversion of carbon dioxide, the number one greenhouse gas. The team, based at the Huajong University of Science and Technology in Wuhan, has developed an electrolysis system that can convert carbon dioxide into formic acid with an efficiency of over 93%. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Michael. Can you tell us more about this breakthrough? Certainly, David. The system developed by the team can operate continuously for at least 5,000 hours, which is far longer than any other known device under research. This achievement could mark a milestone towards industrial use. The findings were published in the journal Nature at the end of January. What are some of the applications of formic acid? Formic acid has a wide range of uses in various sectors. It's used as a preservative and antibacterial agent in livestock feed, in fuel cells, in leather tanning, as a toilet bowl cleaner, and in many other ways. An added benefit of this new process is that the electrolyte used can be sourced directly from spent lead-acid batteries, making it a greener and more sustainable choice. Can you explain a bit more about the process of converting carbon dioxide? The process involves breaking the chemical bonds of carbon dioxide and then adding hydrogen to produce various valuable hydrocarbons, such as formic acid, methanol, ethanol, alkanes, or olefins. The key agent used in this electrolysis process has conventionally been alkaline feedstock. However, this often produces unwanted byproducts, such as carbonates, which attach themselves to electrolysis equipment as precipitates, impacting the efficiency and lifetime of the equipment. So, how did the team overcome these challenges? The team spent five years experimenting with key components from lead-acid batteries. The electrolysis process is very unstable in an acidic environment, and the catalysts needed to accelerate chemical reactions are easily corroded. The researchers developed a catalyst that was highly efficient in conversion and less susceptible to corrosion. Using this catalyst derived from the lead-acid batteries, Their equipment achieved a stable operating record of more than 5,000 hours. What are the implications of this breakthrough for industries that produce a lot of carbon dioxide? With further development, this technology could be used in carbon-intensive industries, such as fossil fuel companies, to help them decarbonize. However, scaling it up for industrial use might present challenges, such as the device heating up. The team hopes to continue their research and eventually turn carbon dioxide into products even more valuable than formic acid, such as ethylene, which is used in a wide range of products from textiles to antifreeze to vinyl. That's certainly a development to watch. Thanks for that update, Michael. Speaking of developments, researchers at UC Riverside have made a significant breakthrough in cancer research. They have found a way to control the activity of MIC, a shapeless protein that is responsible for making the majority of human cancer cases worse. 
Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you tell us more about Mike and its role in cancer? Certainly, David. In healthy cells, Mike C helps guide the process of transcription where genetic information is converted from DNA into RNA and eventually into proteins. However, in cancer cells, Mike becomes hyperactive and is not regulated properly. This hyperactivity promotes rapid growth in cancer cells, making mice a culprit in 75% of all human cancer cases. That's quite significant. So what was the approach of the UCR research team towards controlling Mike? The team believed that if they could dampen Mike's hyperactivity, they could create a window in which the cancer could be controlled. But this was challenging because Mike has no structure. It's essentially a glob of randomness which makes it difficult to target with conventional drug discovery methods. So how did they overcome this challenge? They took an innovative approach to drug discovery. They developed a peptide compound that binds to Mike and suppresses its activity. They found that changing the rigidity and shape of a peptide improves its ability to interact with structureless protein targets like Mike. Once the peptides are bent and connected to form rings, they have a low level of randomness, which helps with the binding. And what are the implications of this discovery for cancer treatment? The team has developed a new peptide that binds directly to mice with submicromolar affinity, which is a very strong and specific interaction. This makes it closer to their drug development goals. Currently, they are using lipid nanoparticles to deliver the peptide into cells. Once inside, the peptide binds to Mike changing its physical properties and preventing it from performing transcription activities. This could potentially control the growth of cancer cells. That's certainly a promising development. What's next for this research? The researchers are currently working on improving the lead peptide's ability to get inside cells. They are also developing chemistry that enhances this ability. This work is being funded in part by the U.S. Department of Defense and the National Institutes of Health. The ultimate goal is to use this knowledge to develop more effective treatments for cancer. Thanks, Bella, for that insightful report on the breakthrough in cancer research. Now, let's shift our focus to another health concern. Each fall, millions of hunters across North America venture into forests and grasslands to hunt deer. However, these hunters are not just partaking in an American tradition, they are also on the front lines of what could be a serious threat to public health chronic wasting disease. This neurological disease, which is contagious, rapidly spreading, and always fatal, is caused by misfolded proteins called prions. Abby, a correspondent for Simply Science, is here to discuss this further. Abby, can you tell us more about this disease and why it's causing concern? Certainly, David. Chronic wasting disease, or CWD, is known to infect only members of the cervid family, elk, deer, reindeer, caribou, and moose. Recent research shows that the barrier to a spillover into humans is less formidable than previously believed, and that the prions causing the disease may be evolving to become more able to infect humans. This has alarmed animal disease scientists. What measures are being taken to address this potential threat? In 2023, a coalition of researchers began a major initiative bringing together 68 global experts on various aspects of CWD to look at the challenges ahead should we see a spillover into humans and food production. They're focusing on public health surveillance, lab capacity, prion disease diagnostics, 
surveillance of livestock and wildlife, risk communication, and education and outreach. Despite these concerns, there have been no known human cases of the disease. How are hunters reacting to the threat of CWD? Many hunters are not overly concerned about CWD because it hasn't jumped the species barrier yet. However, this could change dramatically if a hunter contracted CWD. Other prion diseases, such as mad cow disease and Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, have affected humans, and some experts believe Parkinson's and Alzheimer's may also be caused by prions. How widespread CWD has been found in animals in at least 32 states, four Canadian provinces, and four other foreign countries. It was first discovered in Colorado in captive deer in 1967 and has since spread widely. Prions behave very differently than viruses and bacteria and are virtually impossible to eradicate. What are the symptoms of CWD? Symptoms are quite gruesome. The brain deteriorates to a spongy consistency. Infected animals stumble, drool, and stare blankly before they die. There is no treatment or vaccine, and it is extremely difficult to eradicate, whether with disinfectants or with high heat. It even survives autoclaving or medical sterilization. What about the risk of transmission to humans through consumption of infected deer meat? Though CWD is not known to have passed to humans or domestic animals, experts are very concerned about both possibilities. CWD can infect more parts of an animal's body than other prion diseases like mad cow, which could make it more likely to spread to people who eat venison if it can jump to humans. Researchers estimate that thousands of infected animals are unknowingly consumed by hunter families annually. What measures are being taken to prevent the spread of CWD? Because the most likely route for spillover is through people who eat venison, quick testing of deer and other cervid carcasses is where prevention is focused. However, the current testing process is cumbersome and not widely used. Experts believe a rapid test would greatly increase the number of animals tested and help prevent spillover. Several tribal nations in Minnesota are also working with experts to monitor and manage the disease. Thanks for that report, Abby. Now let's shift our focus to a new scientific discovery. Scientists have confirmed the existence of a phenomenon known as second sound, where heat propagates as a wave in certain exotic materials. This behavior has been observed before, but for the first time, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology have managed to image it. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you explain what exactly second sound is? Certainly, David. In most materials, heat spreads out from a localized source. But in some rare materials known as superfluid quantum gases, heat doesn't spread out as you'd expect. Instead, it sloshes side to side, propagating as a wave. This behavior is what scientists refer to as a material's second sound, with the first being ordinary sound via a density wave. That's fascinating. How were the scientists able to capture this movement of heat? The team at MIT developed a new method of thermography, or heat mapping. The challenge here is that these ultra-cold objects don't emit the usual infrared radiation. So, the scientists designed a way to use radio frequencies to track certain subatomic particles known as lithium-6 fermions. These particles can be captured via different frequencies in relation to their temperature. Using this technique, the researchers were able to track the hotter, frequencies and observe the second sound over time. And why is this discovery significant? While we may not encounter superfluid quantum gases in our daily lives, 
Understanding the properties of second wave movement could have far-reaching implications. It could help answer questions regarding high-temperature superconductors or even the complex physics at the heart of neutron stars. So, while it might seem abstract, this discovery could potentially lead to significant advancements in materials science and astronomy. That's certainly something to look forward to. Thanks for that update, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Science. We'll see you back here tomorrow.